Hello, and welcome to Big Fish in the Talent Pool with your host, Aaron Peterson, partner and global talent acquisition consultant with People Results. In each episode, Aaron interviews a corporate head of talent acquisition to shine a light on how they got there, what keeps them up at night, and their views on all the hot topics in TA Today. There's nothing Erin is afraid to ask because she's been there. Now here's your host, Erin Peterson. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Big Fish in the Talent Pool, Episode 37 with Kathy Hennessy. Kathy is the Executive Director of Talent Acquisition for Advent Health. They're a huge organization based in Orlando, Florida. They have 200 plus recruiters, hire about 25,000 people annually. And you can imagine COVID year was a pretty interesting one for Kathy and her team. And we talk all about that. Kathy's one of those rare TA leaders who's actually spent their entire career in recruiting like I have and never looked back, never wondered if she should have done something else. She's just got a tremendous background and I'm excited for you to hear more about her. Basically born to recruit, born to lead. And speaking of leadership, she is also, when she's not focused on her day job at Advent Health, the president of ATAP. And regular listeners know that ATAP is a sponsor of the Big Fish in the Talent Pool podcast. So thank you, ATAP, for your sponsorship. And uh, she has got all kinds of big plans for developing the future of ATAP, this great professional association that we can all take advantage of, including the upcoming Global TA Day. Go to atapglobal.org and find more information about that. Grab your team and get ready for it if you don't already have a plan. Other sponsors include RPOA, the Recruitment Process Outsourcing Association, where you can find all kinds of great information about RPO providers, the whole process of becoming a buyer. If you're in the industry or if you're thinking about as a talent leader, uh, RPOing your recruitment, that is a terrific resource. So go to rpoassociation.org. And with all that business taken care of, Enjoy my conversation with Kathy Hennessy. Here she comes. Hi, Big Fish listeners. This is Erin Peterson. I'm so glad you've joined us for episode 37. We have Kathy Hennessy. Kathy is the executive director of talent acquisition for Advent Health based in Orlando, Florida. She's also the president of ATAP, the Association of Talent Acquisition Professionals, which, as I'm sure you know, because you're a loyal listener, ATAP is one of our sponsors. And so we're going to talk about all that Kathy has on her shoulders as far as responsibilities and tasks and leadership. And um, we are very excited to have you. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very excited to be here. All right. Well, let's jump right in because my listeners want to know, especially somebody who has your um, uh, level of experience and seniority and all of the interesting things you've done, not only in healthcare recruiting, but other industries as well. Kathy, how did you get started? You were a Texas Tech grad. Am I right? A Red Raider? I was. Get your guns up, Red Raiders. You don't see me, but I'm putting my guns up. Um, yes, I uh, I went straight through and got my undergraduate business management. And then at the time, it was a master's in personnel management, which you know is not a favorable term in HR these days, but that's what it was. But they were moving to human resources. So I think it ended up saying human resources. And I graduated um, at the time, you know, I looked at jobs and I saw like the vice president of human resources was making like $40,000 after 10 years. I'm like, wow, that doesn't seem really great. And uh, of course, it's a long time ago and things have changed a lot. But I wanted to combine uh, just my outgoing personality and human resources. And Kathy, every, Kathy, you need to do sales. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't go to college to do sales. And uh, so I ended up reading an article on Forbes about headhunting. And thought, 
oh my God, this is a job designed for me. So I went searching for that and found a search firm in Dallas, a fairly large firm, and I focused my recruitment on IT to begin with. So 100% headphones, you know, call, no, uh, no internet then, no computers, just smiling, dialing. Okay. Uh, working off of lists, no doubt, yes. and referrals and all, all that good stuff. Low tech, but uh, high effort, as I recall. Oh, that's cool. And so you, uh, you, you sort of got into recruiting, uh, obviously, just because it seemed interesting and um, got your first uh, experiences. So a lot of people who get into recruiting either decide this is not for me or they love it and just want to do the recruiting versus recruiting leadership. So at what point did you sort of shift your paradigm to say, I want to lead? I want to, I want to be a manager. I want to um, make stuff happen. Sure. You know, I think graduating with my master's, I felt like I always wanted to be a manager, uh, you know, or a leader. Uh, you know, one of my professors said, you know, you're going to have to start at the bottom. You're not going to go into a management job when you graduate. And so I took that to heart. And, you know, I learned recruitment and headhunting and, and eventually became a, a team lead in my organization. And then, uh, you know, eventually worked to a manager role, managing the agency itself. And then uh, eventually I stayed in IT recruitment for, gosh, almost 15 years. But I moved into IT consulting and worked for some of the large IT consulting shops, uh, supporting clients like IBM and Capital One and you know various custom- customers like that, um, where I essentially worked up to be the director of talent acquisition for a large IT consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And um, managed a, you know, 40 offices, traveled the world. Um, and that, that kind of took me through right into the, you know, 2000 age when we hit COBOL programming in 1999, the whole world was going to end overnight. Um, and I'd had enough of that. That was fun. And decided to look at something different and, um, found an opportunity with train heating and air conditioning for manufacturing. And they were looking for something different in that they had always just paid headhunters a large amount, actually $5 million a year, and decided that they needed to bring this in-house. And I'm like, wow, you think? And so uh, so they went searching for a headhunter <laughs> and said, you know, what can you do with a small team and can you eliminate these costs? And and I did. And I was, it was a great time. I had a wonderful uh, relationship there and brought all in-house. And uh, by my fifth year, we had zero costs in agency. Wow. And so that, that was- Goes great. right to the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And so they were pleased, you know, obviously very pleased. They got purchased uh, by Ingersoll Rand. And at that point, I had a choice to move to, you know, potential choice to move to Indiana or Charlotte. Those were the roads uh, to go eventually. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I want to look around. And I ended up getting an opportunity in Dallas for healthcare for a children's hospital. And I thought, this is great, you know, great opportunity. And they were looking for somebody that had not been in healthcare, interestingly enough. Um, they wanted somebody that had done the hardcore sourcing and social media. And I had done a lot of that already would train. And so they wanted that in-house. And so I brought that to children's hospital. And that's, I've been in healthcare now for the last eight years and just kind of worked my way up. That's uh, been a great run. And yeah. so interesting that they wanted someone outside of the healthcare industry. So what was behind that? Why? Well, because they really, I felt like they'd done everything to, you know, they can do the post and pray and, and you know, just 
search the network that they know. But that at that point, that was when social media was really becoming prevalent in sourcing. And they just didn't have any expertise in that in-house. They had some great, you know, outstanding recruiters that had been there a long time and they just didn't have that. And and the leader, she was awesome. And it's just nobody had that in-house. And so they really needed to bring that in from the outside. And, you know, I was out in rural places. Our, our plants were in rural places. And so we used a lot of, you know, interesting, you know, not only radio ads, but, you know, where you would call in and text the number and, uh, you know, things that just hadn't been done before. And then, of course, the social media aspect of it and, and really creating a, a robust website and just making that more attractive. So it was a, it was a great partnership of wow. not knowing healthcare, but getting all this extra things. So we shared knowledge. Okay. Really interesting. You were at Children's Hospital and then uh, also spent some time at... Well, so then, yeah, so I went, ended up going to Parkland, which was the county hospital next Mm -hmm. door. And they really had an interesting situation. And uh, I'd been at Children's for three years. And my director wasn't going anywhere. I loved her to death. And I said, you know, it's time to look at something different. And I've been a manager. And so Parkland had failed their joint commission. And that is really huge for a hospital if you, you know, fail your regulatory um, requirements. And so they basically, I caught a headline. They were in the headlines all the time um, because being a county place, I said something about 25,000 resumes in the queue not being reviewed. And I'm like, wow, okay. So that is somebody that needs some process changes. And sure enough, you know, over time, you know, not it didn't take long, but a month, uh, a, a new position came up. And and with that change and that regulatory failure, they changed out a lot of leadership positions. And so I joined the team as director of talent acquisition and really just revamped the way uh, they did recruitment and, you know, built a process of uh, sourcing and teams to go through those resumes and get through them very quickly. And um, so it's great. You know, we a year later, we passed the joint commission and uh, they brought in a lot of new leadership. And so they really they brought in different people they knew. And so that was a risk I took that taking a job like that, knowing that is very volatile and that leaders can change. And so that was that was a great jump for me to be in that director slot. And so, um, so they brought in their own teams. I actually went back to Children's as a consultant and ended up getting a call from a Chicago uh, consulting firm that was looking for, this hospital system was looking for a new director of TA. And they just wanted a consultant to come in for three months and just figure out what's going on. They're just desperate for hiring nurses. They've been through five TA leaders um, in four years and just were not figuring it out. And so they thought, well, let's hire a consultant. No, somebody that doesn't, you know, have a skin in the game and necessarily can look at objectively. And I went there. It was really, they had great people. It's just processes and just the way they set up things. And so I was able to make, you know, some quick wins and get that adjusted. And they ended up, um, while I was there, announcing a joint venture with actually the company I'm with now, Advent Health. It was Adventist mm-hmm. Health System at the time and the Ascension System, which was Alexian Brothers in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they joined their hospitals together and they said, hey, you know, would you be interested in bringing these systems together into a centralized function? And I said, OK. I said, I didn't think about Chicago, but what a great opportunity. 
And uh, I sold my house in one day in Dallas and off I went to Chicago. Wow, terrific. So we did that. And for three years, I was there and merged those systems together. And um, eventually, I visited corporate in Orlando. And uh, eventually, the person that hired me was advancing to an executive role. Mm-hmm. And she called and said, uh, you want to move to Orlando? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> can I come Monday? Like, You're I'm done with the winters. Girl, so I know the <laughs> South and uh, I was ready to go back to the South. Chicago was quite cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went, to, I moved here four years ago and uh, they at the time was starting, finishing a journey of centralization themselves mm-hmm. um, here and moving all, all the hospitals into one PeopleSoft system one Taleo applicant tracking system, just a whole centralization process. And we actually finished that project a year ago. Okay. And so now we've been running uh, smooth and now buying new hospitals. And of course, COVID hit. That was supposed to be my year of relaxation last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that didn't nope. happen. None to be had. So, so we hire about as I've, I've been helping, We normally would hire about twenty five thousand a year. Yeah. Uh, last year we hired twenty two thousand. Okay. Um, because of COVID, just we had a downturn. Right. Uh, but that has come back in spades, and now we're just you know breaking numbers right and left, and we're on yeah. track to hire thirty three thousand this Outstanding. year. Outstanding! Wow, thirty three thousand. And uh, how many locations is that spread across? So it is, um, so it's nine states and 50, 50 hospitals. So roughly six, seven, um, you know, a lot of hospitals in Florida, you know, probably, well, 50 cities, but mm-hmm. nine states. Wow. Um, That's complex. I have, I have four regions, basically. Mm-hmm. And how big is your team? It's a, it's 220 uh-huh. um, right okay. now and yep. uh, have about uh, 20 contractors okay. because of our growth. To 20 and 20 contractors. So can I ask how many direct reports you have? Sure. So I have four direct reports. Uh, One uh, person's over uh, recruitment. Uh, One's over sourcing. One's over pre-boarding, which is the process once they accept and all the processing and everything. And then international recruitment. Oh, international. Interesting. Where, Where is that? So there, it's here in Orlando, but we bring in nurses primarily. We'll bring in nurses from other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a very robust program where we uh, will bring them here. We don't really have to travel much to get them here. Um, we can, yeah. you know, advertise and referrals, uh, get them here, and then we put them through a training program. Uh, they're usually in a U.S.-based hospital in their country, and um, and then so we bring them here. We sponsor them. We put them wow. up for housing for sixty days and. Uh, get them started. Very, you know, very loyal. We also hire medical technologists international and um, starting to sponsor uh, graduate nurses as well here in the U.S. Interesting. So, and you work through the whole immigration process and yes, yeah, we have authorization. A, we do have a, a partner immigration law firm mm-hmm. um, that does all the you know the real paperwork, but we do yeah. everything else. We get them here and the logistics and the training and everything ourselves. Wow. So interesting four direct reports with yep. one of them being the international. Uh, so that that's considered, I, w- I would imagine you're considering international as m- more of a, a, a pipeline, a source, you know, that just needs that special care and feeding yes. and management and specialty. 
What I don't hear in your direct reports is a tech person, somebody looking over TA tech. So is that housed elsewhere? So that is part of actually my pre-boarding person. Uh, My senior manager uh, is our data analytics guy. So we have three data analytics people um, Mm -hmm. that just focus on the TA analytics. Um, The rest of any analytics is under our HRIS Mm -hmm. department. So. My data guy and there, those the, that team work very close together, and then they have all of that whole HRS team. You know, takes care of my applicant tracking system, my CRM. You know, any tool I have, they just make sure it's running. Okay, yeah. And uh, what? Speaking of tech, what's your favorite new tech that you're you're either wishing you could have or already have Im- implemented? You know, I would say. Um, I would say our newest or the one that we probably liked the most or really had a lot of very lucky to have during COVID was Brazen, Mm -hmm. um, which is the virtual events. We had been doing that before, um, before COVID. And of course, you know, everybody got on board once COVID hit because everybody needed to do things virtually. Um, But we were very creative and using it in different ways. And so hosting all kinds of events. And then, um, but still doing live events too, but Uh that has been a fun tool. And then certainly, I mean, as simple as a tool as text recruit, um, just to do mass texting um, for, you know, anything, candidate experience, surveys, Mm -hmm. campaigning. Yep. It's been great. Yep. Talent attraction, candidate engagement, all that stuff. So speaking of candidate experience, have you already applied for the Candy Award? You have. Yes. Yeah, we have won twice. We uh, we skipped a year. So, yes, we wrote, we won last year. Mm-hmm. And um, great. Had the team do an audit for us and really look at our processes and, you know, certainly many things to implement still. But we have changed a lot of processes based on their recommendation and our feedback from those that candidate experience survey. Um, so very high on our congratulations uh, to you and the team. That's huge. Do you think your internal senior executive leadership understand what a big deal that is? Are you able to translate that for them or <laughs> no, not quite? No, yet? You know, I, I think certainly my CHRO, my chief human resources officer does. And, you know, I, I hear the accolades from people, but I don't think they really understand the the competitiveness of it and all the under other industries that participate in the you know award and really understand what you know how many people it takes just to get qualified for the survey and mm-hmm. um, so I certainly try to educate them and you know and and certainly they're congratulatory, but um, I'm not sure they really truly understand the full grasp yeah. of it. Yeah. And, and that's understandable if they don't live in the industry, but right. it, it, it sure is cool to be able to put it on your signature and to, you know, make sure that they know that that's an award sure. you've won on behalf of the organization certainly points to potential access to better talent. Yes. Because people are going to talk about their experience with you, even if they don't understand what the, what the sure. award is about. And we've won multiple awards in kind of in, in our own healthcare space as well. And for them, where I think it, it's important and where I leverage it is um, that it, it benchmarks us more than mm-hmm. anything, right? It's not so much about the award itself, but that it is benchmarking us against other healthcare systems, other industries. And so, and so that gives them confidence 
um, that we are doing the right things and we're operating at top efficiency level. And so, you know, which I don't think I had when I first got here. I think you know, it was running well, but now, you know, it is, we do not get the finger pointed at us at all mm. for TA. And that is not an easy place to get to if wow. you're a leader of TA. So, yeah. Yeah, I've heard the phrase that 0% of the noise is about good stuff, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> about the bad stuff. So if you have no noise, I guess that's that's a good thing. I mean, we always need more, right? And everybody, <laughs> you know, there's always a pocket of somebody in some rural town that is not getting something. But overall, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the, the executives are very pleased with TA's production. Terrific. And you obviously don't have an RPO partner. You've decided to keep it all in-house or do you do RPO in some cases? Well, so it's interesting. We hadn't um, for there. We do use um, A&M Healthcare for our travel nurses, right? Uh-huh. So we do an MSP with them. It is not managed by TA, although we, you know, ask to get step in and, and look at things and help kind of manage things along the way. Um, but because of the growth coming out after COVID, that they're just, we just can't keep up. The travelers are, there's not enough of them and they're very competitive with prices. And so we've done a couple of different things, but we have finally said with, you know, with the turnover and the so many nurses going to be a travel nurse, um, we have engaged AM Healthcare for a short-term RPO project um, for nurses. Um, just to keep my, my team is burning out. And honestly, I can't find enough contract recruiters that, you know, have experience and reasonable and, you know, all the good things to keep up with the hiring. And we're going through, we just were purchasing a new hospital, fairly large um, in Georgia. And so, and we see more of those coming. And we were on a good acquisition track um, before COVID. And so I have full expectations. We're going to pick that back up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I just need to get ahead of the game. No so we're doing a short term, you know, they'll just work in conjunction with our recruiters right, uh, to right. fill the positions. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, listen, it's, you know, I say this all the time. Talent acquisition is hard and you need friends. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's yes, no absolutely. shame in having good partners who are supplementing your team. Um, but is there a sort of a fundamental culture at, at Advent that would say, yeah, we're never going to fully outsource. We're always going to have an in-house team. Or is that just sort of a the way it is right now? I don't think they know. I think, honestly, our healthcare executives don't know much about RPO and recruitment. They know about it in housekeeping yeah. um, because that's a, been a standard or food services. They understand that. Uh-huh. Um, but they never, I don't even know if they know, you know, that we're doing this necessarily. I'm sure some do, but they just didn't understand it from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah. You know, for us, it is, you know, I, I think any good TA leader has to look at that model and see if how that compares price wise. And, you know, it's a it's an expensive model compared to the what I can do it for mm-hmm. on a on a on a per hire cost basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good. That's I'm always interested in that, of course, um, because it seems like, you know, especially right now with the pent up demand after covid. Yes. A number of organizations just weren't ready for the onslaught of demand and they've turned to RPOs. And so everybody's constrained, right? Sure. Resource constrained, even the RPOs. Yeah. And it just, yeah. And the travelers just, you know, it's just not enough. And, and you're, you know, you're losing people to retirement and people just leaving the industry. Um, we just, we needed, we need more hands on deck. 
Big Fish in the Talent Pool podcast is brought to you this month by our buddies at Paradox, makers of the conversational AI assistant, Olivia, that I know you've heard of. And joining me today is Paradox Chief Marketing Officer, Josh Swain. Tell my listeners a little bit more about this Olivia character. I've been a fan for a long time, but not everybody knows about her. So what, how would you describe Olivia and the benefits she brings? Yeah, sure. Like, I think the easiest way to think about her is uh, the assistant that we have in our pocket every day. We have Siri, we have Alexa in our homes, and those assistants are, are there to help us get things done, whether it's turn lights on or change the temperature or whatever. Olivia is just an assistant for recruiters and recruiting teams and candidates. So if you think about all the stuff in the recruiting process that nobody really enjoys, you know, whether it's screening resumes or scheduling interviews or, you know, just making sure that candidates are up to speed on what's going on, Olivia can play a really important role there. And she's helping companies like Unilever and CVS Health. And McDonald's kind of up and down the the recruiting chain, get that work done. Wow. Very cool. Sounds like I need my own Olivia, actually. So how can our listeners learn more? Sure. Yeah. The easiest way is just to go to our website, paradox.ai. But we actually built a a little custom experience for your listeners too. So if anybody wants to try Olivia out and and meet her uh, for themselves, they can text big fish, all one word to 25,000 on their smartphone and Olivia will respond and you can can get a sense of what she can do. All right, Josh, I am so excited for that. And uh, thanks very much for your partnership and We'll talk to you next week. Of course, Aaron. Thank you. Let's talk yes. about ATAP. How did you get involved originally? It's only, what, a five-year-old organization, right? Right. right. And well, yeah. So it goes back to Dallas. Um, when I was in IT recruitment, I joined a, it was actually just like a women's networking group um, that it was women in IT recruitment. I forget our acronym, but some, you know, we ended up growing and creating a formal organization, the Dallas Fort Worth Texas Recruiters Network, which, you know, is strong today. And um, so really built that into a network. I was president of that firm for a long time. And then I got into healthcare. I joined an association um, there to learn about healthcare and was so ASHRA. So I became president of that. And then again, eventually moved to Chicago, moved to Orlando, and um, heard about this group of people starting this national association. And so naturally, I became very interested in getting involved. I'm having had my experience with other local associations and I've served, I served on Asher's board. And so it was a great opportunity, you know, at the beginning, it wasn't good for me from a timing standpoint, um, but so wanted to get involved in one. So that opportunity presents itself to be on the board. Um, I've joined two, a little over two years ago. So I've been a board member for two years and then uh, the president opportunity certainly became available. And so I, as you say, raise my hand and, I was fortunate enough to be selected for that. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. And and thank you for being willing to step up. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you seem to me to be a sort of a natural born leader, you know, somebody who's kind of not afraid of uh, stepping up. And uh, since you started as a recruiter and then quickly evolved into a manager and sort of have been in senior leadership roles and obviously a very senior leadership role right now, and then decided to take on this president opportunity for two years. I mean, there are some people out there who would say like, what the heck? You know, how much stress do you want to take right, on? Right. Um, so what, what what's that like for you? Do you just love leading sure. or do you feel compelled somehow? Yeah, no, I honestly, it's, it, it, you know, it started out and when I was recruiting, it's just networking and trying to learn from others. So, you know, say, well, that it started out to be self-serving, but then I learned so much, right? 
And so I really believe in giving back to the profession. And so that's how I started those organizations. I learned a lot and then I wanted to give back. And what I have learned is I've grown in the industry. And so that is what, you know, the vision of ATAPS is really about, you know, escalating that profession and truly making it a true recognized profession in most corporations, which, I mean, if you look at the history of TA, you know, where it's come, it is a designated team, you know, whether it's an HR or not an HR, um, it is a selected team um, that I feel like that is a place for all of us to go. And I really can help with that based on my experience and and get that evolution of, of the talent acquisition profession itself. So to me, it's about giving back. Um, but I still, it's still self-serving because it's, it's networking with people. It's getting to answers quick. It's finding solutions that somebody else has already solved. Um, and then I don't need to go recreate the wheel. It's just purely that networking um, that we get from each other that just makes me better at my own job. I love that. And uh, that's, that's kind of how I typically pitch it when somebody, you know, I'm talking to them about ATAP and why joining and that sort of thing. It's, it, it's you need friends. It's good to be better. It's good to access information that already exists and is easily accessible, so that you can do what you do better. But how would you um, how would you describe the future of ATAP? Where where are they heading? Yeah, so we really you know really trying to work together to blend bring all that knowledge into one place and make it easy for somebody to access. I mean, that's the the simplest way to describe where we are headed. You know, we have requests for uh, certifications. You know, do we have requests for working with universities to get a designated uh, university program or degree in talent acquisition? I mean, there's some big visions uh, that we have as a board. Uh, but I think first and foremost is building that network of individuals that can come together and solve each other's problems very easy and then provide that escalation of, of knowledge so that they can basically sell themselves and their departments within that organization and have a real, and I hate to be cliche, seat at the table you know, beyond mm-hmm. HR, because really talent, being successful in talent acquisition is about getting ahead of order taking and being part of the strategy. And so that's what I really want to help teach people is be part of the strategy of, you know, whether it is what, what your business is, is acquisitions or product development or services provided, be part of the strategy from the beginning. So then you know what you need to look for as far as talent and drive that talent that you find to be part of that revenue stream as opposed to just filling an order, right? If you're just filling an order, you're just in a rat race and you're really not solving any problems. But if you can be part of that strategy at the beginning, you know, you're solving solving world problems there. Yeah. And it's a heck of a lot more fun. Right. I find. Oh, absolutely. A lot <laughs> more fun. So, you know, so we want to bring that kind of education and content uh, to our members so that we can share that that knowledge that people have already been through. Right? There's incredible TA leaders out there. I mean, I'm just one of, you know, a thousand plus that have done similar things and, and they have solved your problem already. And so let's just try to get everybody together and network um, to share that knowledge. That just makes us stronger all as individuals and, and as a team. So true. And uh, so so I know the body of knowledge is being collected and uh, I think compiled in the form of some white papers and 
some uh, other f- media like like audio, video. We have webinars, podcasts. Um, we are in the process of of looking at a community system um, to bring the networks together so that they can network online and share all of that data in one place. You know, have uh, chat groups and. Uh, subcommittees that they can belong to, and it'll all be accessible online and in forum types. Of, so uh, we're just finalizing some software for that. So that'll be coming out. And that'll just make it easier for them to network. You know, eventually, you know, once we're back from COVID, you know, we would like to have a national conference um, where we bring the professions together. Um, we have Global TA Day, which is our national conference, and um, that has been was been well will. We'll, be virtual. It was virtual last year, um, and it'll be virtual this year. You know, but eventually, do we combine that with live events and virtual? You know, for the world to participate in, um, we want we we want to get to at least uh, twenty four hours of content if we can, um, because we do have global partners and associations out there. Um, but at least sixteen hours. You know, we're discussing that and availability of people. But uh, they did sixteen hours last year. And so it, that is really exciting. All the speakers that came together on one day in September 1st this year. And uh, it's incredible, the speakers that are gathering for that and the people that will participate. Right. Well, that's very timely because September 1st is going to be here before we Oh, do my it. gosh. I know. And so I hope my listeners are uh, marking their calendars. It's super uh, interesting and important way that we can push talent acquisition forward, if only as just a little rah-rah, a little, you know, celebrate ourselves because, you know, it's it's challenging. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we we support each other. Alliances with other uh, professional associations, I'm thinking Talent Board, um, you know, Hung Lee's organization. I, I just, I'm curious to know if there's anything in the works with ATAP to further connect with others who have a similar mission? Sure. We are definitely making those connections. I've, that's what I've been personally kind of working on and reaching out and look and kind of discussing what those could look like. Um, we're also reaching out. There's a lot of recruiter association or meetups or chapters out there um, that we really would like to bring together as one. And so I'm reaching out to them. I've also reached out to uh, Europe's association. They have a recruiter association, which is really similar to ours. Um, yeah, they have a little, with their regulations, have a little bit different uh, rules and things. But um, I've talked to the gentleman that does the Pakistan recruiter association. There's one in Australia. Cool. And yeah, there's, a, there's a lot to be sh- shared in those associations, even if you're not a global a recruiter or a leader like I am not. I have been in the past, but there, there's so much to be learned and what they're doing in technology. And so why not bring that yeah. together and, and certainly provide a resource uh, to our TA professionals that, that do have global scope in their work. Yeah, I I agree. And, uh, and, and even as you say, if your role doesn't call for you to recruit across borders, you can still learn from what uh, innovations being implemented in other parts of the world. Sure. I mean, they're, do- I mean, they're doing just different things that you would, might not have thought about. And that's the beauty of the network is just to think about how things are, are being done differently. Even just going across industries, you know, from healthcare to other industries. Uh, I've learned so much by just networking with my non-healthcare peers uh, about mm-hmm. how they're solving high volume recruitment or, you know, yeah. difficult to fill, you know, technical or engineering positions. It's like, oh, you know, I could use that too as a source and, and find my yeah. nurses or different places. 
you know, they're not out on social media always. And so I need those creative niche ways too. Absolutely. We're almost out of time, Kathy, but I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you two things. Number one, your influencers. Are there people who have mentored you along the way or even just people you don't know, but you've read their stuff and you feel like you've been influenced by? Oh, gosh, there's so many. You know, it's funny. I met Jerry Crispin a long ago when I was in IT recruitment as an engineer. I believe I was, I'm sure I wasn't in leadership at that point, um, but on my way to leadership. And I spoke at the Computer World conferences. I started to speak and I spoke at the Sherm conference. And um, and just talking about IT recruitment, I believe it was Boston um, that I met him at and he attended my session and we started networking. And since then, you know, we've been well connected ever since then. And I've invited him to many different conferences. I had hosted associations and get involved. And obviously he was a founder in ATAP. And um, so he's always been a great mentor. And then, you know, certainly then started Career Crossroads, which we are members as well. And then, you know, Chris Hoy being in Dallas, you know, I've long networked with him uh, when he was at PepsiCo and, and various people there, Jim Schneider and, you know, all my colleagues that were on the board there. Uh, even, uh, I, even like old school people, Shally Steckerl, I did a, a panel with him. Uh, I too brought him in to speak um, when sourcing was barely going with the internet. And we hosted him in Dallas for our our tech, technical recruiters network and taught everybody about Boolean searching and sourcing. And uh, so I have kept in touch with him. Um, and then there's just so many other people out there that, you know, may have followed their podcasts or you know, Tim Sackett or, um, gosh, Eric Jaquith, Chris Hevrilla. Yep. I mean, there's so many yep. out there that I've wow. come, come and cross with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then the flip side is, uh, for those that you mentor, mm-hmm. when people come to you and say, Kathy, what's your best advice? Sure. What do you, how do you answer that? Well, you know, I I have mentored, you know, I keep in touch with so many people that have worked with me in the past and now, you know, they're leaders today still or, you know, have come into leadership and they call me and, you know, even if it's just a vent a little bit or commiserate or, or really get some advice on something, you know, I we just talk about the, the profession and where are they uh, in their organization and where does that stance? And I help them to really think about, you know, yes, filling positions are important. It's a core position, um, but you have to position yourself to be in a proactive state versus reactive and try to help them get themselves in that state with their own organization. Because until you get to that state, you know, you're really not going to enjoy what is the fun part about the job is filling it and being proactive because you just find better talent if you're proactive versus reactive. So I really try to help them think about that mindset and how to get there first. Um, and just worrying about, you know, how am I going to fill my next position? Solve the bigger, solve the bigger problem, the bigger fish. Right. The, the bigger fish, the big rock, I think is the Covey principle, right? They put the big rocks in first and the little pebbles around it. Wow. Great, great advice. Um, and then, and then what about being a woman executive? Do you have, do you have women who come to you and say, you know, Kathy, how have you done it? Yeah, sure. Or is that, is that sort of a non-factor from your perspective? Well, you know, I like to think that it's not any different, but I certainly am not naive to think about how difficult it can be, you know, depending on the industry that you work in. Uh, you know, I worked in working for train. It was primarily a, a, a very high culture 
of men because it's engineering mainly and plant work, right? So that just naturally tended to lend, lend toward men um, executives. But I think I just act as them in the sense that I'm all business. I'm not emotional. That my job is not personal. I don't take anything personal. So I've, if I, I, and I really will pull women aside if they cry about anything at work. I said, there's no crying at work. You know, there's nothing that sad about work that is going to make somebody cry, you know, and I yeah. get it. You know, sometimes it just people's feelings get hurt, but it's not personal. And so yeah. I have mentored many women have cried in my office and said, this is not how we act as professionals. You know, this is not, it's just not that it's really not whatever you're crying about. And, and this is going to sound highly insensitive, but it's not that important, right? There's bigger problems in the world to cry about yes. than your manager yes. did not give you feedback or yelled at you or, you know, is upset because you haven't filled their position. Those are not things to cry about. You know, and so I try to help them put a little things in perspective because that's what my father taught me. Um, you know, he had three sons. I'm, I'm one of four and there are other three are men. It's like, you don't cry about things like that. There's other things to cry about, but this is not them, right? And so just be professional, do the work you're supposed to be, be strong, you know, don't be afraid. Um, I've read, I've recently read, uh, Sheryl Sandberg's lean in book. I know it's been out for a while, um, but it's a classic. Yeah. It's awesome about women. I never really thought about women being a woman executive until I read her book and, you know, what she faced, um, are things luckily that I hadn't faced, but there's things that I probably don't think about, you know, I think it's just Mm -hmm. all, you know, just, I'm just being myself. Right. Yeah. So you have a naturally thick skin, yes. it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. But also you have a uh, mindset that, that you go to work with. And it's, you know, yeah, I, you know, I like your point about it's not it's not that important. I, You know, my, my uh, phrase is, you know, small children won't die if we don't get this person hired. You know, well, working in healthcare, maybe I need to rethink that, though. There yeah, might be, be a little care. Gosh. I'm be a little careful about talking about death, for sure. Yes. Uh, sorry. sorry. No, no, that it's, no, probably it's isn't true. very appropriate, but, you know, just um, conceptually yes. anyway. But boy, yeah, it's I mean, we, we're we're in business and we're we're um, making a difference every day. But, you know, put it in its right place. Sure. And, and I and I like your point about it's not that's nothing that's sad. Yeah, right. It's not it's not sad. And, you know, so now in healthcare, it's primarily women as a percentage, you know, of your population. But it, it does get smaller in leadership as you go up. Right. And so that's been interesting mm-hmm. to see. But mm-hmm. I, you know, just try to be an example to to all women. And they, you know, they they have all kinds of different, you know, areas with family and trying to be a great, you know, a great wife or a great family member um, and yeah. and trying to balance all those things. And, and that's where I kind of go back to that self-serving part of being part of an association is, these, these people have the answers for you, right? Network with them instead of you trying to recreate the wheel. I mean, I can't yes. tell you how many times that I have picked up the phone and said, hey, what do you think about this? Or have you tried this? And they're like, oh, yeah, don't do this. Do this. Yeah, this is going to work. Don't try them. Like, that saved me six months, you know? And yeah. so while, yes, it yeah. takes a little bit of time to to cultivate those relationships and, and call them, it saves you a ton of time for what you want. Yeah. Totally worth it. All right. Well, that is great advice, and that's a perfect place to stop. But I feel like we go on and on. So thank you so much for all your wisdom and um, sh- sharing of your experience. It's just a terrific 
uh, gift for you to give back to the community, to our talent acquisition colleagues through ATAP and uh, continue to do a great job at Advent Health. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate that. And I, I'm definitely, I'm here to network and help. So. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, I'm sure we will see you around at the conferences, yeah. hopefully when we're back in person at some point and virtual before then. All right. Good luck with everything. Take care, Kathy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. This podcast is independently produced in collaboration with ERE.net, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can email Erin directly at E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N at people-results.com. You can also follow Erin on Twitter at Erin McPeterson, connect with her on LinkedIn, and learn more about her practice at people-results.com.